Well, hello, and welcome back to another scary, scary edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth, and I got some creepy, creepy stuff for you. Ooh. Sorry about breathing heavy into the microphone there. I've been trying to record for a while without my microphone covers, because they kind of get in the way sometimes. So, it picks up more. But I kind of like it, so. But anyways, this is Ghost Stories Told from the South. Of course, I'm your host, Stephen LeBooth. Just want to start the show off like I do every show, saying thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who listens. And like I said, it's pretty amazing you guys following me. So, I like it and I think it's awesome. But I got some more good Christmas stories today. Um, yeah, I don't know if I got, let me see if I got something here. Okay. And then, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Well, anyways, just want to say thank you. Numbers are getting better, guys, but come on, man. Keep on telling everybody about it, and uh, I hope you enjoy the show, and just keep telling your friends and your family about it, man. And like I said, if you have any stories you would like me to talk about or an area or somewhere, just uh, give me the information on uh, Facebook. It's at uh, Ghost Stories Told from the South. So, yes, sir, Bob. But I guess I'll start yapping, and we'll get on with the show. All right, we're going to, like I said, Christmas themes, of course. And today we're going to be going, we're going to start the show off with the Yule Lads. Now, the Yule Lads are the Kyla, Ky, the Kyla, the Kryla, or Kryla. I'm sorry, I remember last week when I talked about the Kryla? These are her kids, I believe. But it'll tell more about it. I guess we will dive into it. Like the foods and language in the landscape. Icelandic Christmas folklore is a bit extreme. <coughs> Instead of getting a visit from Santa Claus on Christmas Eve, Iceland has these three Yule lads who in mid-December start descending on start descending one by one from their mountain home to wreck mischief in the nights leading up to Christmas. The Yule lads are said to be the sons of the hideous trolls Grala. Told you. Thought I remembered that. And her husband, Lopolo. Grala is especially horrible. Sorry about the barking. Quit, read enough. Um, where was I at? Okay. Krala is especially horrible as she has an appetite for the flesh of naughty children, who she likes to put into a large pot and make into stew. Stop, please. Uh, I swear these dogs hear something and they're like, hey, what is that? Let me get them. While the original Yule lads were pranksters who went above stealing food and causing havoc, in modern times, they have become the Icelandic version of Santa Claus. 
leaving children daily gifts. Every night, starting on December 12th, one-year-old lad will visit the home of every child, placing a a toy or a piece of candy into shoes that children leave in their windowsills. This is as long as you were well behaved that day. Since if you missed you missed you since you missed behave that day, the old lads are not subtitled in expressing their disapproval. And they'll fill your shoes full of rotting potatoes. Ooh, lovely. So don't be bad. Okay, now this is a description of the go this is uh the story about every uh of the one of the old lads that come to visit you now. I'm not gonna say these names because some of these are kind of hard. They're uh, yeah. I'm not gonna try that, but I will read the descriptions. Okay, where are we at? The first one comes on December twelfth. They call him the uh, sheep. Uh, sheep got clawed. The first the uh, first old lad. Sheep got clawed comes down to comes down on December twelfth. He used that he used to try to suckle the yeast in the farmer's sheep or sheep sheds, which has hurt has heard from since his long okay, which was hard for him since his legs were as stiff as wood. So. Basically, this guy, they call him that because uh, he's kind of like the pirate. He's got, uh, his legs are uh, sticks. That one's pretty cool. But yeah, look these guys up. They're called the Yule Lads. Pretty pretty kind of, it's a cool story. The next one is the uh, Julie uh, Quack. Next in line is the Julie Quack. He gets his name from the fact that he likes to hide in, cl- in clueless... For in oh in clueless okay, he likes to hide in the shadows for a chance to sneak into the barn to slurp the uh, foam off fresh milk when the farmer looks away. <coughs> so basically, this guy likes to come in when you're milking your cow and when you're not looking, run over there and yeah, suck the fresh milk down. And that one was December thirteenth. The next one is December 14th, and it is, come on, I thought I had my notes together, but I guess I didn't. Well, I am missing a page. All right, guys, I am back. Sorry, I uh, messed uh, my notes up, so I will not be telling you about the one that comes on the 15th, 16th, 17th, or the 18th. Sorry, I effed that one up. My bad. All right, the next one is the uh, Scryer Gobbler. The Scryer Gobbler. The Scryer Scryer Gobbler makes his way down from the mountains on the nineteenth. He is obsessed with uh, Scryer, an Icelandic dairy product similar to yogurt. He likes it so much that he'll sneak into the pantry and eat all the scour until the until he howls with delight. 
And then on the 20th, the sausage swapper comes. On December the 20th marks the appearance of the sausage swapper. As you might have guessed from his name, he's a big fan of sausage. And he will set up in rafters waiting for the perfect opportunity to snatch a few pieces of sausage. On December 21st, it's the window peeper. What a perv. December 21st is when the window peeper visits. While not as greedy as some of his brothers, window peeper can still give you a fright. He likes to peep through the windows in search of something to steal. So, he's looking through the windows because he likes to steal. And he's a peeping Tom. Alright, the next one comes on December the 22nd. And it's the doorway sniffer. Yes, this guy sniffs doorways. Let me tell you about him. The door sniffer comes to town on December the 22nd. You can spot him from miles away due to his huge nose. The smell of Christmas cookies and traditional Icelandic leaf bread is what attracts him to your doorway. And while you're not looking, he'll attempt to steal some of that smelly good food. <coughs> on the 23rd, we have Meat Hook comes. Second, second to last is Meat Hook, and he arrives on December the 23rd. Meat Hook is a meat hook, meat hook is crazy about meat. He'll climb up to your roof and lower a hook through the chimney to try and snatch a smoked leg of lamb hanging from the rafters. Or a piece of smoke lamb from the pot. So basically, this guy was get a hook with a string on it and go down in your through your chimney when you're cooking something and yank it, yank it for himself. All right, the next one comes December the twenty fourth, the last one. The candle beaker, or the candle, yeah, beggar, or the candle beggar. The last of the brothers is the Candle Beggar, who arrives on Christmas Eve. In the old days, candles were the brightest lights available to people in Iceland and were made of talau. While Icelandic children longed to have their very own candle for Christmas, Candle Beggar just wanted a candle of his own to take a uh, bite out of. So this guy liked to eat candles. Wow, that's crazy. All right, to wrap it up, after after Christmas, the Yule lads return back to their mountain homes. One by, one by one in the same order as they arrived to town until the last one. Until the last one leaves on the last day of Christmas. January the 6th. I didn't know that January 6th was the last day of Christmas. Huh. That's pretty cool. You learn something new every day. <coughs> well, sorry I screwed that one up and I didn't have all of these guys. But it's pretty cool, the different characters and stuff. And Yeah, that's a... Uh, of course, you didn't understand. understand that was in an Iceland uh, folklore. 
And it's crazy. I stumbled upon that and his mom looking up stuff about Krumpus. Crazy world. All right. Now, our next story. Now, our next story is the Yule Cats. Or the Yule Cat, I mean. Okay, here we go. Like most legends and myths, there are a purpose for there is a purpose for the Yule Cat story. <clears throat> it represents the need for warm clothes and successful wool production. Iceland began exporting wool during the Dark Ages, and it quickly became an became essential. For their economy and survival. Chores related to wool were the entire household's responsibility during the time. The most time-consuming task being spinning and weaving. Christmas presents for most people were mainly were uh, mainly uh, nothing, <laughs> basically. So it was extremely common to receive some small piece of clothing, you know, instead of presents because you needed clothes more. This could only have this could only be achieved if, excuse me, only if everyone participated and did their share when making the uh, wool. So that's basically how you earned your pants, working your ass off. Since the Yule Cat only attacks people who, uh, since the Yule Cat only attacks people who does not receive new clothes, this giant cat was likely created as a reaction to the importance of the of the wool production, scaring children and adults into fishing into finishing their work in time for Christmas. Wow, that's fucked up. So you use a cat to uh, basically make this shit up. But no, somehow this cat is tied to uh, that Grela troll queen or whatever. Somehow it's tied to her. I think it's her cat. Yeah, but that's weird. That's how they uh, manipulated them. Them sons of bitches. Okay. While cats have always been more common than dogs in Iceland, both both as pets and wild animals dogs dogs are actually banned from the country in 1924 today dog owners must obtain a special permit to keep their pups cats were also extremely important to iceland's mythical side or mythology the goddess of love and fury traveled in the sky with a chariot pulled by two giant flying cats. Didn't know that. The cats resembled the Norwegian forest cat. That's maybe why your cat is usually portrayed so very fluffy and shaggy. Come on. Sorry, my pages are sticking. The Yule cat is actually... A pet to a pet to a family of trolls called 
the Yule Lads. Told you these people all tie together. The Yule Lads are the gift givers for Christmas instead of Santa Claus. Since about the 17th century, the trolls came down from the mountain one by one over 13 days before Christmas to leave small presents and to cause a little mischief. In the 20th century, the Yule Lads, inspired by other cultures, Santa Claus started wearing red clothes and, and, have, a, and have a white beard. These trolls weren't always friendly like our jolly Saint Nick. Originally, they came down from the mountains not to spread Christmas cheer, but to scare the children into a abyss. Are your children crying too much or misbehaving? The old trolls would carry them back to the mountains. <coughs> Since this caused some uh, mass panic, the Iceland government abolished telling that story in 1764. So remember, if your if your if your children complain about getting new clothes for Christmas, tell them you'll be saved from the giant uh, from the giant uh, Yule cat. That's crazy, and it's kind of fucked up. They uh, attacked the freaking people with uh, that didn't get new. Well, I guess that makes sense. If you didn't get new clothes, that means you didn't bust your ass in a wool factory, I guess. Pretty crazy. All right, I'm going to read this poem real quick that somebody wrote about the Yule Cat. The Yule Cat, a rare fire, warm and bright, should keep at bay the winter's bite. But still you shudder and you quake, and it's night as if your life's at stake. For if you stop your work and leave, your dream befalls your Christmas or your doom befalls Christmas Eve. Some brand new clothes before you bed will keep you from losing your head. But time is short, so don't play. A job half done will never pay. It's watching everything we do. The old cat cometh just for you. A silent print, oh, a, a slant paw print in the, in the snow. A dreadful growling soft and low. A flash of black just out of sight. A dreadful stillness in the night. Don't skip your work for your... Don't skip your work, for you might find the Yule Cat has came for you. That's a pretty cool little poem. I kind of like that. I'll have to remember that. That one's pretty crazy, too. All right, nice and ladies. All right, buds. I'm going to take a break real quick, get something to drink, and I still got... I still have three more stories to tell you. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> Do you ever look up at the sky at night? Oh, look at the stars and wonder, are we the only ones really out here? Have you ever wondered how much our government hides from us? Have you ever wondered why so many mysteries go unsolved? What really happens? What's the clues? What's the evidence? Ever wonder if Bigfoot or Mothman is real? Then, if so, 
Come listen to this podcast called What's Really, What's really, out, really there? out There. And I am your host, Stephanie Booth. And, and I am your father. co-host, Stephen Booth, Hafaja. And if you're into UFOs, unsolved urban le- murders, unsolved mysteries, murders, mysteries uh, unexplained stuff that happened, urban legends, we're into all of that. Conspiracy stuff, too. We go dive into that. So if you're looking for a new podcast that tells that kind of stuff, then you uh, need to listen to What's, what's really, really Out, out there. there. And we are on Spotify and iHeart and Pandora, I think. But we are pretty much on every platform. Mm-hmm. We have a YouTube channel, too, or channel. So go check that out. It's called What's Really Out There. So come check us out. Once again, I'm your co-host, Stephen Booth. And I'm your host, Stephanie Booth. And this is What's, What's Really, really out, out There. We'll see you at the next episode, guys. All right, turd nuggets. I am back. Ready to scare you. <laughs> this one is called the Clown Puppet. There was a married couple who had three daughters. The oldest was 15, the middle was 12, and the youngest was 7. For Christmas, the oldest daughter asked for a laptop. The middle daughter asked for an iPad. And the youngest daughter asked for a small doll. On Christmas Day, they all unwrapped their presents beneath the uh, Christmas tree. The oldest and the middle daughter received what they had asked for. But the youngest daughter was, depri- was surprised to, to receive a clown puppet. However, the clown puppet was so cute that she decided to keep it. Two days later, the youngest girl disappeared. The parents became very uh, poor and were forced to sell their furniture for money. One day they went to the attic looking for something else they could sell. There in a a dark rest, they saw the clown puppet. It was sitting on a uh, throne made from uh, uh, lollipop sticks, arranged all around it where the Severed heads of three missing girls were. Ooh, yeah, that's the story about the uh, clown puppet. Yeah, I stumbled across that one. It was a shorty, so I figured y'all would enjoy it. Okay. All right, our next story is the headless headless horseman of Rose Hall in England. Snow falls steadily on the town of of Bessels. All is still, all is silent. The town is blanketed in silence and blanketed in snow. The The faint sound of light from closed windows does little to emulate anything, much like ships stranded 
in the sea during a typhoon. What year is it? It does it does not matter. Years come and go. They're all the same. They all have the same dates, the same times, and the same days. New year is just different than the other. They all come very they all come every year much like Christmas. Much like it. It's silent too, like the snow. You'll never hear it and never know it's the never know there know it's there unless you're looking for it. Unless you already know it exists. Or perhaps you just glanced out of the window for no particular reason, maybe to watch the snowfall, maybe to see a perched owl or a wandered doe. Who knows what wander on the what wander on the grounds of the Rolls Hall outside of uh, Bessels, especially at night, especially on Christmas Eve, especially in the uh, silent snow. Who knows what wanders in the silence? <coughs> you certainly do not. Oh, you certainly do not. Not unless you knew. Not unless you were looking for it. Are you looking for it? Do you say it? Well, it's a coming. It's coming to Rose Hall. Rose Hall with its towering red form. Rose Hall with its many windows. Many many windows to look out of. Many, many windows to see. To see it, it comes. Black hoofs stomp and thump on the ground, drowning near or drawing near to uh, Ross Hill with each uh, with each clump. They're large, powerful, black and silent. Simply silent. Simply, uh, simply silent, crushing through the snow. How many are there? It's so hard to know. Two, four, they almost don't seem real, with their black forms thundering through the snow without a sound. Getting closer to Ross Hall, to Rose, to Ruse Hall, I'm sorry, Ruse Hall. Behind them, they are pulling a carriage, large, black, and silent. It rocks left and right, wheels turning almost, uh, almost uh, spinning out of control. A whip craps, <laughs> a whip cracks, <coughs> but makes no sound above the horse, demanding them to, uh, demanding them to uh, go faster. A man is willing the whip, not, or willing the whip. No, not a man. A shape representing a man, but not a man. A man, uh, formless and black with uh, horses. In a carriage, just just as formless, just as black, just as silent. Through one thing is clear: the man has no head, and it's getting closer. It's coming. Well, that's a little story before the story, man. <laughs> the mystery of Ruse Hill. I mean, of Ruse Hall. No one knows, and no one knows why. 
but there is a headless horseman that haunts the grounds of the Ruse Hall. He only appears once a year on Christmas Eve, plowing through the manor's driveway on a horse-drawn carriage, always silent in his journey. And when he reaches the end of the entrance, excuse me, of the manor, he and the uh, carriage disappear. It's a sight that would. Uh, it's a sight that surely gave Saint Nick a run for his money. If you were to believe in that sort of thing, of course. If certainly it. It certainly is a mystery for the ages. But the unlimited means a little, a little on its grounds. The estate is full of mystery and ghost. On the grounds itself, you have a course, the uh, Headless Horseman of Christmas. Alternative tellings of its haunting say that the carriage actually stops at the entrance of the manor and a beautiful woman steps out. They say if you were to look into her eyes, you would be driven into madness or killed instantly. Wow, if I uh, looks to kill. How unfortunate to have all those windows. An interesting, sorry, an interesting, interesting, an interesting landmark of Ruse Hall is a large and looming oak tree surrounded by an old fence. It is believed that the, uh, Oh, it is believed that a gibbet used to hang where the tree now stands. A gibbet is a small cage that a prisoner would be kept in. Hardly, oh, hardly with any room to move a finger. They would be left to die by the uh, elements. Either blistering sun or freezing winds. More than, uh, more than not. More often than not, they were left for the birds to feast on. This form of imprisonment, imprisonment torture, and uh, execution hasn't been used to used it hasn't been used in uh, two centuries. <laughs> it's believed that the gibbet is sentenced to hundreds to their. Uh, demise and to their end and when the tree was planted and reached a mature age mature age it was used for hangings stories tell that sometimes at night a woman in white another woman in white and it's as in england and still a woman in white <sighs> a woman in white can be seen near the oak tree circling it if she is if she is a spirit of an of one of the hundreds of who died, her name and life probably lost the time. Her legacy now is there, circling it for eternity. As her past, there's a, there is no way to know why she is circling the trees. Some believe that it is a ritual of sorts that she encircles the tree six times in an attempt to summon the devil. Uh, 
it sounds preposterous, but maybe it might be true. Inside the manor, you have the apparition of a young girl whose face can be seen at times from one of the first floor windows. Like the horseman, no one who, no one who, no one who this could have possibly been in another life. Most likely the daughter to one of the former owners, which only asked questions. How did she die? Another paranormal uh, caveat is that some somewhere inside the manor, you will find a uh, hoof print, which is said to be the hoof print of the devil himself. Perhaps the woman in white did summon the devil after all, and she has marked its place for her. She has marked its place for some unknown sinister reason. <clears throat> it would explain the mysteries surrounding Ruse Hall. But the question is why? Why leave your mark on a home built in the 16th century? Another mystery that is left unanswered. Or perhaps it would be the best to close your windows this Christmas. Who knows what could be lurking in the dark for you? Maybe a haunted headless man. That story was pretty cool. I like that one. I like that a lot. Oh. All right. Our next story is The Tale of the Mistletoe Bride. The Mistletoe Bride chronicles the wedding day of a young woman 500, 500 years ago. The party is held in in the Brimshaw House in the middle of the winter. Thus, there is mistletoe and holy white berries in red. And in a tradition as old as time, a fine feast made finer than wine. When all the sweet meats are eaten and the new wife of Lord Lovely suggests a game of hide-and-go-seek, for all those who yet have strength and strength enough in their legs. The play is a the play is a way uh and ticka, 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 ticka. Okay. The play is a way of delaying the uh daunting prospect of wedding, bed and eventually which leaves our narrator feeling conflicted. I can see Lowell's eyes on me, and now he means to be the one who discovers my hidden place. This is part of me that shrieks at the at the uh, thought of it, but he is gentle, but he is a gentle man. Nevertheless, when the game begins, the mistletoe bride Mosses gives her no other name besides one. But decides on one hell of a hiding place in a wooden co- in a wooden coffin. It is deep, long, and length, and it is the length of a man, and bound fast by four wide metal bands. She settles in as if we were in bed, and though she does not mean to sleep, 
sleep she does with haunting uh with a haunting uh ending her life flat her life flashes before her eyes in time the mistletoe bride dies but that is not the end of uh her narrative she can still see things you see in the house and beyond its boundaries she can hear things since shifting of the world even though She's no longer part of it. In its fashion days, past days, and week and years even, I'll be several centuries before she is finally found a smiling skeleton accidentally or not locked in a box. Wow. That's crazy. So that's how the Mistletoe Bride's story came about. <clears throat> basically they was uh playing hide and go seek which i mean i guess back then that was cool a bunch of adults playing hide. i mean i'd still play hide and go seek if i could get my fat ass to run around <laughs> <clears throat> but man that one was pretty good but the poor girl went there to hide and um uh they got shut and she died see that's what you gotta watch out guys when you're hiding Watch where you're hiding. Don't hide in coffins or freezers, refrigerators. Don't hide with shit with has a sealed door. Okay? Just, I don't want to be telling a ghost story about you. But you guys, don't forget, you can catch my show on Spotify. We're pretty much on any platform. We're on Stitcher, Pandora. Uh, I know we're on iTunes, Amazon, all that stuff. And go check out the YouTube page. It's doing good, too. Excuse me, just want to say thanks, ma'am. Uh, and hey, talk to me on Facebook if you want to. I'm trying to remember to keep that going every day. I forget sometimes. I'm not used to the using the media to get my show out there. But you guys are good to me. I really enjoy my audience. I love you guys. Hope you keep listening more and more. Tell your friends about it. And believe it or not, guys, it's years almost done. So I'm going to try to think of something good to do. For uh, the end of the year bash. And uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, if you have been listening to this. You have been listening to Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host Stephen LaBooth. And we will see you next time. (laughs) I know I scare you when I do that. But we'll see you guys later. Be good and be scary.